Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding podcast show, where every week I help your nonprofit grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. And before we get started today, a very happy Valentine's Day to all of you. To really spread the love, we have a great show in store for you because it's going to show you how to love your nonprofit employees and staff. Yes, we are going to talk to Sean Kosofsky, the nonprofit fixer about how your nonprofit could potentially shift to a four-day work week. And Sean's been on the show. He's definitely not a stranger to the show, and I absolutely love having him on. He has so much to offer the nonprofit industry as he has worked in the nonprofit sector for more than 27 years as an executive director for five organizations. And he's worked in policy, communications, grassroots advocacy, and so much more. Of course, he's raised millions of dollars for causes, candidates, and campaigns. And he has also been the executive director of a national climate justice nonprofit. And we're going to dig into that today because what he's talking about on the show is how his national nonprofit actually transitioned to a four-day work week. Yes. That's what I said. (laughs) You didn't hear me wrong, a four-day work week. And we talk about the importance of this at this point in time. And you know, maybe your nonprofit cannot do this, but maybe you can, right? And one reason to really consider this that we discuss is because you may be able to retain your talent or attract new talent with this type of work week. And the number one challenge is most nonprofits that I know is burnout, right? So we can also help reduce burnout. And what's beautiful about Sean coming on to talk about this is this is something he actually did with his nonprofit and he talks about how they did it. So he's gonna give you the steps on how they did this and it wasn't just an overnight thing. They actually had a 90 day pilot program for this. They eased into it, they communicated. So he's gonna discuss all of that. And in addition, he has an extensive article that he wrote about this. So definitely go to the show notes, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 258 to get the link to read the entire article if you're really interested in this. Additionally, Sean will be coming on to do a live training with Grant Writing and Funding on February 21st at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard. And that is his executive director training. You are definitely gonna wanna show up to this. In his executive director masterclass, you will learn how to crush imposter syndrome and isolation with mindset makeover. You will learn how to find and build a network of nonprofit leaders who have your back. You'll learn expert tips to protect your salary and your career. And you'll learn how to avoid rookie mistakes that can end your career. So if you wanna come and learn about Sean's three expert strategies, overcoming mindset challenges, maximizing your career, and avoiding the rookie mistakes for executive directors of nonprofits, 
please do come to this free training. You are absolutely gonna love it. He only does this a couple of times a year, so I'm super excited that he's coming on with the grant writing and funding change makers to do this. Once again, go to the show notes for that link so you can register for free um, for the February 21st at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time free executive director training masterclass. Jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 258 for all of the details. And before we dive into this podcast episode today, remember, we're also on YouTube. So if you want to jump over to YouTube and watch this conversation with Sean and I, um, you can also find it in our show notes today as well. And if you're looking for some resources to help relieve stress of writing grants and to really get a great framework, then you'll definitely want to check out grantwritingandfunding.com for all of our free resources on grant writing, nonprofit strategic planning, and transitioning into becoming a freelance grant writer. So if you want all of those resources, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com, click on the start here button, and you can join our hub haven as well, where we have a ton of free resources. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the interview today with Sean about the four-day work week for nonprofits. Here, Sean. How you doing? Thanks. I'm great. Great to be back. I love being on this, this show. It's always such a great time to riff with you and have some fun. Yes, yes. And as you mentioned, you're back. So we're going to definitely in the show notes, I'm going to drop the links of Sean's uh, cameo appearances on our grant writing and funding <laughs> podcast and his special features. So uh, you guys can see all of the great value that you always bring to the change makers out there. So thank you so much uh, for all of your knowledge and you know, you've been in the industry for so long in the nonprofit industry, really helping organize amazing change from the perspective of, as an executive director and as a nonprofit consultant. So thank you for all you do. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So we have a very timely uh, topic today. And, you know, I would say this has been kind of trending for the last few years, but, you know, how many organizations have really implemented it and I think it almost came like off the heels of, was it Tim Ferriss back in the day, the four hour work week? And like people started thinking, okay, well, maybe that's a little bit too intense for certain industries, but a four day work week, which is actually very contemporary in other countries, but in the United States, it's still new. So can you kind of introduce us with why we're talking about this today? Because it's maybe something you did at your nonprofit, hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think um, the four-day work week or a four-day work week is something that is making a lot of news and, and getting a lot of press coverage in recent years. There are entire countries and companies and regions of the world that are doing tests around the four-day work week to see whether it can actually deliver on all of the promises. So as these results are sort of coming out around the world, there's more coverage of those tests. And the news and the results and the data is in. So in the past few years, people have been looking at ways to balance out workplace burnout. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer that productivity has just been going up, up, up. The data shows that productivity in the West, especially in the United States, has just gone up, up, up. And our country is particularly bad at people taking time off. Okay. Like there's just this work ethic, probably even a toxic level of work ethic around productivity and work. And people aren't resting or taking enough time with their families. Many workers have unused paid time off at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So you add up all of that high productivity and burnout, you add on top of that the fact that the gap between rich and poor is showing that working people, really their wages aren't going up to match the productivity, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have the pandemic happen and then the great resignation and all of these factors are forcing people to take a hard look at what can we do in the workplace to make things better. And in many situations, this change costs employers zero dollars. Mm-hmm. So if, if can make the move to a four-day work week and it costs them nothing, but it gives their workers huge satisfaction, then that's powerful. But the key is, can people still be just as productive? Can you actually get the same workload out of your staff um, on four days that you could in five? So that's sort of why we're all talking about this right now is that there's all of these places trying it. And as the results come out positively, I think the people writing the articles are also sort of like, I want to work someplace that has a four-day work week. So there's a lot of interest in the topic. So what we're going to talk about today is that the results have have been really great. It's not the perfect solution for a lot of workplaces, but for many, you can actually do this. You know, and I and I love what you're talking about because you know you mentioned the Great Resignation. Um, there's quiet quitting, right? There's all of that, and there's there's a huge. You know, we're looking at trends, right? And I was really studying a lot of the 2023 trends for nonprofits. One of the biggest trends was workforce uh, shortage, right, and a labor shortage, and trying to recruit people into positions. Um, because a lot of nonprofits are like, I cannot increase pay and I can't compete with pay, right? But we're seeing also a lot of people aren't necessarily just wanting pay increase to transition into different workplace areas, but they're looking for more meaning, they're looking for flexibility, et cetera. So a four-day work week could be, you know, like you said, keeping your budget in check, but at the same time, being able to attract higher skilled people or just people that are going to be more committed and feel more valued at your nonprofit and actually want to come work with you. Right. So is that kind yeah. of some things you're seeing as well? Like it's a it's a good golden carrot to kind of have as well that, you know, might be your only carrot. Right. That you could really dangle as far as that's really powerful. Yeah, the uh, four day work week might even result in savings. So you might save mm. money or your employer, uh, instead of having to dish out extra money to retain these workers. So not only could the organization save money, if you have a place where everyone has to come in person, which a lot of workplaces, we tend to work with smaller nonprofits, but there's lots of workplaces that have big offices. And so having one whole day where people aren't in the kitchen eating snacks or using the electricity or using the water, there's all of these savings that you actually can, can apply. You're also saving your employees this, for some of them, a soul crushing commute, right? Yeah. A lot of them don't want that that commute in and out. You're putting people's lives in danger every time they have a commute. That's time they're not actually productive or with their family. And there's like a million reasons why having that extra day and putting that day on a Friday or on a Monday so people can have a long weekend just magnifies the power of a four-day work week. But you're right. I do think that there is this question of how can we um, give meaning to people so that they, and it, it also works as a great retention tool because it's going to be hard to leave your current employer if you have the sweet deal so like of a four-day work week, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Right, like, Totally. Or taking care of a loved one, or some people are, are caregivers, or they or that Friday is a day of worship for them. Or, or so there's all the re- these reasons why having this extra day um, can be really powerful. But you're right, people are making incredible decisions about whether they stay or go or start their side hustle based on joy. It isn't just pay, burnout, all these things. So the four-day work week is a tool that can be powerful in your back pocket to help retain work and attract workers. 
I love that. And I love that, you know, we're really looking at it as this is a really great transition for nonprofits to essentially save some money as well. Like you mentioned all of those things, right? That's saving a lot of money, not, not having to put on the air con or the heater during the day, right? Right. All these prices are going up. So those are definitely something to think about. But now we kind of talked about it on a broader kind of abstract scale like here, but you actually did this model for the nonprofit that you were working at, right? So you are the, were the executive director at a nonprofit. You actually went in and did a pilot program for 90 days. You tracked, you documented how this affected it. So you have a lot of data and you wrote an excellent article on it, which we'll share in the show notes. So for the, those of you guys who want to read, it's a very comprehensive article. I definitely recommend you to read it. It's, I read it. It's amazing. That's why I said, Sean, you need to come on the podcast and talk about this. But I want to kind of dive into it then. Like, what was your experience? Can you share that case study with us so we can hear like, here's how it actually went. Yeah, I was facing a little bit of burnout myself. I particularly thought that the pandemic was kind of either, I, I joke that it was sort of breaking me or breaking me open. I was becoming more emotional. I was like sensing all of these things going on. And I think that being in San Francisco, one of the hardest lockdown cities in the, in the country, if not the world, uh, it was way worse than New York, way worse than a lot of places. We sort of flattened the curve, you know, in terms of deaths, but um, we just really destroyed a lot of businesses and everyone was doing shelter in place. It was really tough. So as an extrovert, I was really impacted a lot by the pandemic and our team, I could just see everyone was like really, you know, worked up about this just a few months in. So about a year into the pandemic, I was, I was impacted. Other people were impacted. I could sense burnout, definitely didn't want to lose my high talent team. And I started thinking about this four day work week idea. This was in the summer of 2021. Mm -hmm. And I happened, my husband's aunt is an HR expert at some pretty big companies around the world. And we started talking about it and she said, oh yeah, this, this works. There's data that the four day work week works. You know, we haven't tried it because these are huge changes for huge companies, but we absolutely, you know, think, believe that this kind of thing can work. So I started investigating it and researching it in the fall of 2021, began mentioning it to my staff. Mm -hmm. uh, they got pretty excited at the prospect of it. Uh, luckily for us, it was pretty universally so that people wanted to try it. Some people don't. Um, and I also think that one of the things that was interesting was that I didn't really have a roadmap. There was no roadmap out there on how to implement this. So we kind of had to invent it. So there might have been some that companies keep internal, but no one was publishing. How do you do this? So I wanted this idea to come from management. I actually wanted this to not be something that the workers asked for. I wanted to beat them mm -hmm. to the punch, sort of say, this is how much I value all of you and want us to, to thrive. That as the ED, I'm going to bring this for, I'm going to make work here even better. I'm going to make life here hopefully better. And it, there's there's talk about unionization out there. That wasn't a fear of mine. I don't think our team was looking at that. But there is sort of like this soul-crushing element of having to do searches. I hate having to do searches every time someone leaves. Right. We didn't have a high turnover, and I wanted to keep it that way. So started floating this idea. It came from management. And I was the executive director of a national climate change organization at the time. So And the staff was pretty interested. And we continued doing research. We created a... Slack channel because our team communicates and collaborates on Slack. So we started creating a Slack channel where we all could share our thoughts on what was coming up for this upcoming pilot. And then we began practicing what it would be like to have Fridays off. So, okay, let, if we really think we can do Fridays off, let's start practicing. So on Fridays, let's schedule no meetings. 
Mm. And no assignments, which means when you tell someone else on the team, I'll have that to you by end of week. What does that mean now? It means Thursday at five. Your whole right. timeline has been truncated. It has shortened up. Can you actually pull that off? Can, is this too stressful for people to shrink five days of work into four days? So we began practicing with it. And then after it felt like people were ready to take the plunge, we announced uh, to our membership, we were the largest climate uh, um climate change movement sort of like network in the United States, 1500 organizations, 3,600 people are in our network. We announced to the whole network of organizations that we were going to try this May 2nd, August 2nd, a 90 day pilot. I think if you announce a pilot versus just announcing the change, it gives you lots. If you have blowback from funders or stakeholders or your board or anyone, we were telling everyone in advance, our funders and board members that we were gonna pilot this, Mm -hmm. Um, but, and it was universally positive. And probably some people were jealous, uh, but you definitely being <laughs> a pilot versus a direct implementation. It does give you a little bit of a window to get feedback from people. Right. So we continued uh, tracking the information in the Slack channel and began setting, um, you know, away messages for some people on Friday, blocking our calendar on Fridays. And one other thing I think that, that really helped make it work was, uh, and this is in the blog post, but um, mm-hmm. for me, Uh, One of the things that helps me is that we decided to make this the fourth day, sorry, the fifth day, the day that everyone had off, we tried to make that Friday so that people could have a long weekend. You couldn't, if we made it Wednesday or Monday, I think there'd be different ramifications. So if someone comes, if someone has Monday off, I think you're just chomping at the bit worried about what's in your inbox, right? But if you have Friday off, you're more likely to not have that feeling. And Wednesdays just feels like a waste. So we went with a pilot that was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which magnifies the impact of a four-day work week. And just I'll say lastly that we went with a model of paying everyone the same Mm -hmm. and expecting the same workload, but working uh, only four days instead of five. There's only a couple ways that we can get into this in the next question, but there's a couple, five tactics that I talk about in the blog post about what makes this successful, how you can actually pull this off, because you can be just as productive or more productive and work four days. Uh, But that's how, that's the model that we use. And it was uh, pretty effective. People were pretty happy. I, you know, I really love that. And I love the fact that you guys made it a pilot. Just like you said, it just... Even for you guys, you'd be like, you know what? And if it doesn't work, we can always go back. So it it gives you that breathing room as well. And then just your employees, right? And it doesn't feel so final. And it also looks like we're really doing the work here. We're really going to try this out. And it makes it a little more educated, right, to make that transition. So that was really smart, I think. And then I, I like that you also, you know, took the Friday off. Like you said, Wednesdays it might sound good to have a day in the middle of the week off, but it doesn't give you that long weekend. It doesn't give you the, you know, the, the more time to really rest and rejuvenate. One question I had before you go into the five tips was, and I, I think maybe, maybe this was helpful was because you were sampling out just no meetings on Fridays, no deadlines on Fridays, that sort of stuff. People were still working on Fridays, but maybe like doing more work on Fridays, right? Cause they didn't have all those other things to do. So did you find people were still kind of working on Fridays, but from home, or did they really kind of transition into, no, this is a day off? 
during the period of time where we were practicing, we were still working on Fridays, but we, yeah. we just couldn't rely on each other. So I, I would not ever call, text, message, anything, anyone on a Friday. So I'm on my own. So mm-hmm. there we have a very collaborative team and we each need each other for deadlines to get things done at this climate organization. So, but we, but we definitely, and I think having fewer meetings or not relying on people does get more work done. Mm-hmm. One of the other things I do is I never take meetings on Mondays. So I have Mondays as my day where I can just plow through so much work without interruptions Mm -hmm. so it sounds like oh wow you're not working on friday and you're not doing meetings on monday when do you work right but monday is that day where you come in your email inbox is full you've got all of these things that are stressing you out about the week ahead but if you have monday eight nine hours where you can just kind of plow through your, your day it actually sets you up for success for these meetings that you'll pack into tuesday wednesday thursday uh, and we'll talk about the five tactics in a second, but I do think that that practicing window started flexing the muscle. And then once yeah. we went live with the pilot, a few of us were still working on Fridays because we had we had uh, deadlines, things like that. We told each other, you're not a failure if you end up working in the evenings or on Friday. It doesn't mean you're failing at this. It's a new muscle. We're trying this out. Mm-hmm. All it means is that you are not obligated to work on Friday. If you haven't gotten your work done, you'll need to get some stuff done on Friday. You'll get better at time management in this new system. Uh, but everyone wanted to keep trying and getting better at it. Oh, I love that. I love that too. Like, you're not a failure. It's okay because <laughs> you're still working it. And to learn how to balance it because, you know, that's going to take some adjustment, right? To figure that out. And and I like it too that it's not just, um, we're, well, you can work from home on Friday. So this is definitely not that type of scenario, right? This is no, you have Fridays off. So it's not just because some people I know that they're trying that model too, which may be the model that you to go to, but this model is really, no, you have that day off. It's a day off of work. So yeah, so let's go ahead and get into your, the the five kind of points on that. Really interesting. Yeah, as an executive director, this was something that was really important to me because as we, as I said, I really want, I cared about retention. I cared about getting, if, if there's a candidate trying to choose between my organization and some other organization, I mentioned, oh, by the way, we don't work on Fridays. It, it, it tips people into your camp, right? Makes mm-hmm. this, makes the search easier and better. So um, in the blog post, which you'll put in the show notes, Mm -hmm. uh, we do talk about these five things that we were able to do as a team that made this work for us. Now, this isn't going to work for every organization. And again, in the blog post, there's different models, right? You could do four tens where you work longer Monday through Thursday. We decided not to do that. That can really irritate parents. So parents are like, you've actually made my work week harder because I have games for my kids or sports or there's, it just messes up my schedule. So we really looked at all the studies of where workers said, yeah, thanks for the Friday off, but you've actually made my life more stressful. So we went with a model based on data. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the five things that we did were we specifically um, communicated more. So one of the things we did was make sure we were communicating regularly what's working, what's not working. Is this uh, Does this need to be tweaked? Um, uh, you know, what's going on with our workflow. So just having that Slack channel and having a regular staff meeting topic, how is the four-day work week going? So just talking about it was really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that major work blocking actually um, uh, works. Like the thing I said about Mondays, this is one of the tools that for me made it all possible. Other team members did other things. They would batch tasks in their schedule. So they'd put all meetings on Tuesday or Wednesday, or they would put all tasks that are similar at one particular time. If I need to be working in Salesforce, I'll just do it. It'll be more efficient to do it over here. The other thing we did was we slashed meetings. So we, t- we officially from management told everyone, cut all your meetings in half. 
and cut down the number of meetings you're having in half. And of the ones that are remaining, take some by phone instead of by Zoom. It literally can make meetings go faster. If you're in regular recurring meetings with people and the agenda finishes, don't just kind of run out the clock. Oh, the meeting is supposed to be for 30 minutes. Let's stay for the full 30. Tell people, hey, we've moved to a four-day work week. I have to be a lot more efficient with my time. So once the agenda is done for our meeting today, if it's okay, I'm just going to hop off. People are very forgiving about that, especially during the pilot. So you just set expectations. If you're meeting someone new, you wouldn't do this. But like in recurring meetings, meetings and coalitions or things like that, you can just jump. People totally understand. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things we did to keep all of this, in addition to shortening meetings, we also have software. You can schedule your software so that it immediately makes meetings uh, shorter. But I do think that the phone thing really did matter. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> asynchronous work was really important. So we moved a lot of people to communicate on platforms um, before we were having a Monday huddle. And instead we said, why don't we just report back to everyone in Slack. So we don't all have to be at the same point at the same, the same place at the same time online looking at each other. Every time you have to schedule everyone to be at the same place at the same time, you sort of cloud out the calendar that could be saved for other more important meetings. Mm -hmm. So we just said, we will put our updates for what we did over the weekend and what we're doing this coming week in writing in Slack, and we'll use an emoji to signal that we have read it. Right. Mm -hmm. So little little things to signal. I have read your update. I know I, I can't say I don't know what's going on in your project or in your team because I I've, that's like a norm that we have. So asynchronous work, fewer meetings, uh, discussing it regularly, work blocking. One of the other things is to shift non-essential meetings to Friday. So if people are going to vet appointments or um, non-emergency medical care, like just getting a, a physical or a checkup, move those to Friday. That's your day off now. So that's when you should be doing those kinds of things, right? So you need to get five days of work done in four days. You're going to move all that stuff to Fridays. Yeah, um, your dentist on Friday. <laughs> Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, so those are those are basically the main the main things that we did, and it, it generally does help that management says um, most workers do say they can get more of their job done if they were in fewer meetings. So really think who needs to be in this meeting, and how many of these meetings are, are we just sharing out updates that could be put into writing, right? Yeah. And putting updates in writing is better for, to search. Also, yeah. team members can search for people's like updates versus like having set it on some Zoom call, right? So there's all these little things that we did, but that's the key to making five days fit into four is that you really need to like be merciless about like uh, allowing people to get out of meetings or shorten meetings and do the asynchronous work. Um, but that's, those are some of the tools. And there's some other stuff we mentioned in the blog post, but those are some of the things executive directors can do to set the tone for their workers. I love that. And and were those main key things, was that a lot of things that you discovered through that Slack channel, through that interaction of like, how's this going, feedback? Where, what, did you get any of that feedback and integrate it into those tips or... Um, some of these things are things that I had just learned from the research would mm -hmm. be would be options. There are options. There are things we decided not to do. Some people like doing four tens. Some people phased it in by starting with just everyone leaving at one o'clock on Fridays and then eventually go like phasing it in. We just decided to tear off the bandaid and do our tests mm -hmm. like that. We also made a decision to not actually track data. We, we don't track our productivity at our organization. Um, <clears throat> and it's not, a lot of companies have ways that they measure productivity. So we weren't just, we decided just to do this journal in Slack about like how we were feeling and how is this going more qualitative. We weren't actually tracking how many, 
um, climate organizations did we serve this week? We weren't tracking mm -hmm. metrics and we were okay with that. It was just, it would have been too stressful. We didn't, we would know whether it was working for us at the end if we just kind of gut checked it, right? Some organizations do have number of service calls answered, you know, things that they could actually see. And almost every study had shown that productivity had stayed the same or gone up. So we weren't really worried about people yeah. slacking. We were more worried about, is this going to help with morale? Is this going to let people feel rested on Monday? And that was in that, on that level, it was a success. Nice. I love that. And what other um, kind of, you know, after the 90 days and I get, it's still going on today, right? The four day work week. Um, what are some other comments that you've gotten back from your team members on how this has kind of changed their, you know, their work, the work culture there? Well, a couple of lessons learned is we we had a very generous paid time off policy at the Climate Advocacy Lab. And by the end of the year, a number of folks had taken enough time for rest that they weren't even using all of their vacation time. So by the end of the year, a number of workers, even though we tell them throughout the year, don't just save all your days till the end of the year. People at the end of the year hadn't even used up all their vacation time. And a few folks were like, I'm okay. I'm actually, because we don't carry it over. I'm okay losing some time off because I feel like I've gotten so much time off through this long weekend policy, right? So in a way that saves an organization money. If someone leaves an organization and they have unused time, they get paid out for that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. If there's less, if, if, if there's, we actually coupled it in 2023 with moving toward open PTO or un unlimited PTO. So there's a number of reasons why that happened, but we essentially, workers were not taking all of the time off they needed to because we had found a system during the week to get people just as productive. And at the end of the year, a couple of folks didn't even use the paid time off, which is a form of compensation. That's mm -hmm. not to glamorize people not taking time off. Clearly not. Mm -hmm. We're giving people right. lots of time off. That's one lesson learned that we had from that. And the other lesson to think about is if you ever move someone from part-time to full-time, which happens a lot in nonprofits, you've got a contractor or someone who's, you can only afford to keep them on 15 hours a week. And now you want to bring them on full-time. You're only bringing them to 32, not 40 yeah. hours, right? So yeah. the, if, if someone's working 30 and you want to make them full-time, is it really worth it to bring them from 30 to 32? Because now they're going to get benefits and all right. this different stuff. So really thinking through um, what you're requiring of people at 32 or 40 hours and whether part-time or full-time work makes sense. Just really mapping out your organization. Those are just two lessons learned that we kind of observed as we were in it. It's mm -hmm. end of year PTO um, banking. And then um, just this idea of like moving part-time people up. Uh, it just, it felt like less of a uh, a big gain to go right. from like maybe 25 hours to 32 hours now because they they could, you know, they have to be still effective and, and work um, pretty intensely, uh, but it just, it just looked differently. Oh, I like that. That's really interesting. And, and what you mentioned too, and just to kind of say this again, so people make sure they pick this up is you still paid for the full-time salary, but at 32 hours a week then, right? So it was the four days at eight hours and then instead of the five. So they still had the regular pay. Um, and then you also mentioned too, there there is another way of doing that where people will start try to shove the 40 hours in and do four days of 10 hours, but how that really was not, not even an idea because of that impacts so much time in the evenings for parents. And that's just not really a great thing to do necessarily. So, and none of our, yeah, none of our, sorry to interrupt, none of our workers, uh, only one of our workers, um, I think was a parent. Um, and so it wasn't like a huge consideration, but it was just enough where I just decided, let's just do this other model first. Like, so it's a very generous model, yeah. but the way, the way it works is you don't 
but you don't treat your workers like hourly people like, oh, this we hired you to do this many hours a week. You have to stop right. thinking like that. We're yeah. hiring you to get results. So this is your job description. These are your goals for the year. And I'm going to manage you to your goals. So if you can get your goals done in four days, good for you. Have, like yeah. if you can't get your work done in four days, let's look at your workflow. Are, are you not, do you not have enough support staff? Do you not have enough tools or software? If someone is consistently not able to get their work done in four days, they need to talk to their supervisor. Maybe there's some restructuring that needs to happen. Maybe the four day work week doesn't work for you um, or that job description may be too intense, but we did have to think about all those things, right? Because if someone can't actually get all that work done in four days, you just look at the work, see if you can minimize the meetings, or maybe we have someone on our team that was neurodivergent. The way they work is a little bit different. They need different supports. So that might be a little more challenging for them and stressful to try to get it all done by Thursday at five because they anything they need from their team members, they have to get done by Thursday. The solo work, they have to shift to Friday if, if, if it's left over. So yeah. there's just things to think about in practice. It's just an interesting thing and it won't work for every team, but I think the vast majority of nonprofits, um, unless you're working... Um, you know, soup kitchens or frontline organizations or hotlines. Mm-hmm. Coverage is a question, making sure if there's going to be downtime, is there coverage? Um, so, uh, you know, we uh, knew that on Fridays, we would not have people being able to reach us, but we had away messages, letting people know and setting expectations for what it looked like. Right. And I, and I love that, you know, and, and and it's funny because even as a parent, right. And as a business owner, I've had to do that just on my own like this is when she's in school this is the time I have right and it's just trying because in the afternoons I'm I'm chauffeur taking her around activities right so it's it's learning how to do that and what's really been clear to me which I'm sure has been clear to a lot of your team members too is saying what's really a priority right what's what can I really get done in this amount of time and do very well what do I need to cut out then so I can do that and I, I think it just makes me more focused. And I really love that because a lot of times if you have too much time, then all of a sudden I'm la, 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 la down this rabbit hole. <laughs> so, and feeling kind of burned out on it. So running down that rabbit hole because I'm burned out, right? So this way I'm like, nope, I only got this much time. I'm fresh, I'm ready, bam, right? So did you find that as well, like with your worker yeah. or with people in your in nonprofits? Yeah, one of the things that I, I can't tell for sure how people were working because our, our organization was a lower stress organization. We were a movement support organization. So as a climate organization, we weren't working on campaigns like, oh, election day is going to have this particular ballot measure on clean energy where it's high stakes, high stress, right? Those organizations might move to like uh, take a month off and then uh, versus a four day work week. Right. Um, but we one of the things you do have to consider is that workers do goof off, all workers everywhere. Where whether you're at Google or whether you're at GM or whether you're at a nonprofit during the day, you go down a rabbit hole, you're, you're researching one thing, then you're like, Oh, what's this 20 other websites you're looking at now, or you're checking news, or we all goof off a little bit throughout the day by truncating the work to four days. You're, now there's only four days where you might have a little bit of goofing off, but it starts to dissipate because you're like, Oh, I really have to get this work done. And people are counting on me. So I really do believe there is, um, uh, internal and external like sort of pressure to uh, you know get it all done by because fr- everyone wants Friday off right so just mm-hmm. kind of get this done and it, there's like a uh, in our nonprofit at least a sense that uh, you know all those distractions should just be pushed to Friday. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. So yeah, so definitely you guys check out the article. I'm putting the the in, the link in the show notes. And before we get off today too, we actually have something really fun coming up. So if you're listening to this in February, 2023, 
Um, you know, Sean has been mentioning that he was an executive director for a long time at a national uh, nonprofit, and you have so much, so many tools, a course even, and you're doing a webinar for free for uh, the change makers out there to participate, to participate in, to learn more about executive directorship. And I know that they're going to be like, "Ooh, I want to take that after hearing just the way how professionally you're handling the four day work week and stepping into this and all of the skills that they can get from you. So can you talk about that uh, webinar that we have coming up on February 21st a little bit? Yeah, super excited about this. We only do this webinar a few times a year. And so we only do it live a few times a year. It's called Executive Director Masterclass. And I have been an executive director for five different organizations over 15 years. This last one was for four years at the uh, Climate Advocacy Lab. But I train people. I am an executive director coach. I train organizations. I train people how to become an executive director, or how to run any nonprofit. And so I'm the four-day work week is a natural extension of giving a tool to nonprofit organizations, I believe, to make the work better, to make people happier, and to make organizations a much better place to work. Uh, we don't have the same constraints on us around profit or, or, or market share, you know, to have to worry about. So we think nonprofits could be the best sector for these things. But on February 21st, we're going to cover a bunch of things. So in that training, we're going to cover um, a number of things that executive directors face, you know, mindset issues, uh, you know, other challenges, protecting their career, you know, like making sure that they're going to get uh, legal protection for their jobs to protect their income and protect their family. So it's a very exciting training. Usually people come away from this training wanting more. They love the input, the sorry, the, the information in the training, and they love the being able to ask questions live. And then there's going to be a free resource that we give away that day. No surprises. Uh, we'll, we'll surprise people with that later when they register. Uh, but we're going to give away some stuff there. And then there'll be an opportunity at the end to go deeper. So to learn about opportunities to go deeper than the masterclass. So it'll, it's, it's just chock full. People love it. I've done this with you before once or twice, um, Holly, and it's just been a great experience. Yeah, and people always love it. We get so much fantastic feedback. I love watching it every time. I always get something new out of it. So absolutely fantastic training for all you executive directors out there. Um, definitely join. I'll put the link in the show notes again. That's on February 21st at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard. It is completely free. Definitely sign up. You are going to get so much out of it. And you're also doing um, other types of consulting now. So if people are interested in this four-day work week and they may be an executive director, is that something that they can book a a coaching call with you to kind of figure out how to implement in their nonprofit? Yeah, not long after the, tra the training we're doing, the free training we're doing live, I'm going to, we haven't announced this yet, but very soon we're going to be uh, publicizing a four-day work week, like how to implement the four-day work week nice. in your nonprofit training on March 2nd. So on that day in the afternoon, uh, you know, stay tuned. Um, we're going to be uh, spending 90 minutes with people. It's a very inexpensive training. Uh, just to answer all your questions and to walk through the blog post, to walk through the details. I have sample handouts that I can give to people also uh, for how we uh, set guidelines and how we prompted the staff to discuss these things. There's all this great stuff. So March 2nd will be a training on that. But yes, uh, doing consulting, a lot of stuff with executive directors and helping boards and helping people with fundraising. I love it. I love it so much. So we'll definitely, as it progresses, please give me the link and I'll add it to the show notes as time goes on so people can sign up for that as well. Because I know like this is so, this is such great information and I love that you've done it. You're like, here's how we did it. We did it in this very specific way, which, you know, made it easier. It made it just really being able to get the feedback. So it works well for all the people in the organization. So this is 
such good information. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast again, Sean. Um, and definitely, if you guys want to reach Sean, go out to nonprofitfixer.com. You guys can get so much information about Sean. And of course, I'll drop all of the show notes as well. Any closing words uh, today, Sean? No, I'm just so excited to be here. I listened to so many of your episodes. Uh, it's one of the first things I listen to every week. I love it. Thanks for having me on. I always love collaborating with you and cannot wait to deliver lots of value. I know consultants and future executive directors will love the training. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you again, Sean. We'll have you back. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. We are so excited to bring you ways to grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance the mission of your nonprofit or of your freelance grant writer or nonprofit consultant, all of the nonprofits that you work with. Once again, for all of today's show notes and to check out the article of the four-day work week or to sign up for the free executive director masterclass on February 21st, or just to find out more about Sean and our free hub haven for grant writing resources, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 258. And if you're not a subscriber already to the podcast, please do hit subscribe so you get these great resources delivered to you every single week. And if you love the podcast, please do me a favor, leave a review on your podcast listener as that does help other people find the podcast. All right, I'm Holly Rustic and I will see you all next week. Bye-bye.